Welcome to NREI's Common Area Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the award-winning editorial staff at NREIOnline.com. Let's jump right into this week's podcast. Hello and welcome to The Common Area with your host, David Bodemer. Let's dive into this week's top stories. Good afternoon, David. How are you? I am doing well. How are you this week? Fantastic. Fresh off vacation. A little uh, little more tan and a little burnt in some areas, but we won't discuss that on this podcast. It's a whole different podcast. That's off topic. So that's off topic, we'll, yeah. We'll leave that alone. Yeah. But I did go deep sea fishing. So well, that's good. That oh, sounds good. Man, it was amazing. I caught a 40-pound sailfish. Wow. And the crew was freaking out because nobody had caught a sailfish uh, since April. Wow. So... I was pretty. I was pretty excited. I was really yeah. sore, so which tells me I'm really out of shape. And let's just move on to the top story, shall we? We won't talk about right. what shape I'm in. <laughs> All right. How many stories are we covering today, David? So I wanted to touch on and discuss three pieces, just three pieces for this week um, from our coverage. Um, one is to to provide some highlights from one of our more recent. Um, exclusive research reports, but rather than spend like, you know, the whole podcast talking about it as we have in some, um, in some previous episodes, I just wanted to kind of pull out a few highlights and just more direct people to the, to the report. Uh, and then in addition, we got a couple pieces on, uh, one that's sort of an interesting update on what's happening with, um, investment in commercial real estate technology. So there's some highlights around that. And then lastly, um, a look at the Austin commercial real estate market. Oh, all right. Well, where do we start? So we're going to start with our, with our proprietary research. This was actually a report we published um, in print a, f- a couple of months ago, but actually um, just got on the website because we took, had to... Um, do some additional work to get the charts ready. So it got a little delayed, but now it's on the site for people to see. It's the first, and it's also, it was a little delayed because it's the, unlike most of the other research um, that we've talked about in previous episodes, um, this was a new one that we we had not before looked at um, hotel real estate investment before. So, so it was, it was, it was interesting to do this one because it's not, like I said, it's not a sector that we've looked at. It's a little bit, you know, it's always kind of an oddball real estate sector because uh, unlike everything else, you're not dealing with long-term leases. It's a lot more volatile. Uh, it's a lot uh, more heavily operational mm-hmm. um, since, you know, hotel, the experience that you're providing on the, on a daily basis to travelers is, um, you know, is a lot different than, than the kind of interaction you have like with an office tenant who you may not, you know, see very often. Yeah. So it's just like a fundamentally different, different um, uh, kind of business. So, you know, with this piece, but we, you know, we, we wanted to get like a similar feel for like, what did people, what do our readership feel is ha- happening? Um, what's the outlook on fundamentals? Uh, what are the concerns? So that, that's kind of like what, what, and so it was our, our first attempt to, to look at this space in, 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 in our research reports. Mm-hmm. And what's the biggest takeaway from this whole thing? So the big takeaway was that, um, you know, just in general, and it, it's not that surprising, but um, the, the bullishness around hotel investment is a little less than for other sectors. And I, I think it is because it's just historically the most volatile and it's the most susceptible to any kind of economic downturn. So, um, you know, just kind of across the board, when you ask people about 
uh, where our cap rates going, where our investment sales volumes going, where our, our occupancy rates going. There's just less bullishness across the board. Um, I think, you know, and in, in terms of a more specific um, headline takeaway, uh, we asked about what some of the trends shaping the sector are, and and by and um, by a large margin, the biggest issue identified is the emergence, uh, the continued emergence of of Airbnb and VRBO and these other um, apps that have really disrupted travel because just created a, a big new pool of competition to people that historically would have just stayed in hotels. Yeah. So absolutely. I think overall, like uh, almost more than three quarters of respondents pointed to that as like the biggest concern. And that um, was about 30% larger than, than we had for any other, uh, for any other issues identified. Yeah. David, have you overstayed in an Airbnb? Oh yeah, I, I have actually done that. Uh, I actually used it a lot. I've used that. I, I guess uh I'm a problem. I'm a problem, I guess, for the hotel. You're a part of the problem. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying yeah. right now. <laughs> but I mean, so am I. But they're amazing, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's yeah, and it's also there's, they've worked out a lot of the um, the kinks. I think in in some of the early years, where like the people that were on you know that sharing their homes maybe were a little sketchier or you know there were some horror stories i think they've become pretty good at vetting all that and oh, then yeah. i know like when i've traveled in europe the airbnbs are basically like regulated like regular bnbs like when you go into the stay in an airbnb in europe they have all of like the licenses on the walls and they check you in much. The check-in process is a lot more official like mm. than, than, than what I've experienced when I've done it in the U S. So I know, I think that's, um, so yeah, it's like you're getting access to often very unique and creative properties that, and it's becoming a, you know, I think they've worked out some of their issues. Yeah, I think a lot more people are taking advantage of it because, number one, the word is spreading, right? And, and you brought up a really good point is that you get some uniqueness with a lot of these places. In fact, I was reading an article uh, this morning about a family that, that they basically built a giant treehouse on their property and yeah. that's Airbnb, right? It's, it's a treehouse. Right. They get you know people going there and they get that experience. It's got some amenities to it, and then they they provide other things outside of the treehouse, uh, you know, for them as well. But so there's the unique experience, and then there's the experience like my family had, which was we got a, a three bedroom condominium, so full kitchen, living room, another sitting room, an entire deck area that you know faced the water, um, and three separate uh, bedrooms, couple of bathrooms. Find me that at a hotel, right? At, at a hotel, I'm paying, what, $1,000 a night, $1,500 a night for a huge suite like that. Um, right. And my entire stay there was around, I think we paid maybe $900 between all of us. And we were able to split it because my you know, brother-in-law and sister-in-law stayed in one of the rooms. And then my wife and I and my daughter stayed in the other one. So you just can't beat it. Uh, but So I can see how this would become a huge problem for the hotel industry. And they better figure out how to pivot. Yeah, so I think the way that they, I think it's being addressed in a couple of ways. One is um, pushing for regulation in markets around how, how, what kind, you know, how much Airbnb is allowed to be in them, or if they are in, you know, they're being used in this, used in cities, um, 
what kind of standards the people operating the properties um, have to live up live up to. So I know it's like there's there's a, there's been a lot of legislation in New York City specifically around um, Air, I mean, because the other concern with Airbnb as um, when uh, being a big player in some markets is that it starts to eat eat into what could be potentially rental stock, and so it kind of has a it, so Airbnb both has. Uh, impacts on the hotel sector by mm-hmm. providing competition, and in all the and for good reasons for all the ways you were just talking about. But it also could be a detriment to the um, rental, the the like the multifamily rental market by taking supply that otherwise would be you know apartments for people and turning them into, um, you know, turning them into hotel units for for travelers. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many different options out there for different things, but if we're talking regulations, then I better see some of these no tell motels that are just slimy and nasty. They better be held to a a better standard too, that they're going to try to hold Airbnb type places to it. Um, Yeah. I I think it's going to be interesting to see how, I don't know how, how that kind of battle continues to play out because obviously Airbnb is also spending a good amount of money lobbying and trying to shape the legislation too. So this is a whole, long battle that we'll have to keep an eye on. Yeah. Is there anything else from this article specifically that we want to cover? Yeah. So I think that kind of segueing from that, I think what, you know, when you look at then um, the sector, the subsectors that, that people are the most bullish about for hotels, um, luxury actually topped the list. And then generally, you know, we kind of asked by, by price point, which, you know, there's a whole bunch Within the sector, luxury, upper upscale, select service, the the ones that are like at the higher end of the hotel worlds have the better outlooks, and I think that's because you know at the high the ones at the higher price points are also amenity rich properties, and that's the kind of thing that like that we're talking about. Like you could you know for I think a more commodity kind of room, if you're going to have a choice between just staying in a regular room or oh I could look at an Airbnb and maybe get a cool experience, that's you know, a big plus for the Airbnb side, but at the high, you know, price points, the hotel may have all sorts of amenities and you're not, you know, it may not matter to you as much, you know, the kind of price you might pay for uh, an Airbnb property or a really nice hotel. So I think that means that they're, they're not losing people at the high end. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those kind of hotels are doing better. So, uh, and I think we've also seen in the real world in the past six months, uh, when those properties have come up for bid, or when those portfolios of like luxury hotels or upper upscale hotels come up to bid, they get a tremendous amount of interest from all sorts of investors because they're just seen as being um, the most stable and the best outlook of of w- within the hotel world. Gotcha. Now, let me ask you this, and, and not sure if you know it or not, but in this survey, were were um, resorts covered the same as hotels, or are resorts on a separate? Kind of They're kind of on a separate thing, so we don't ask about resorts or gotcha. casinos. Like some some of the some some of the we kind of more focus it on like the 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 more typical kind of um, hotel properties. Got it. Okay, yeah. Just coming off a of vacation, like we were talking about before the podcast started, the place we stayed was all inclusive, so that would be a huge you know difference between an Airbnb place because nobody's cooking for you, nobody's you know providing all that stuff free and easy. Right. So I, I can see how that should be part of a separate separate study. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also just, there's fewer of those kind of properties. So like when, when what we're looking Mm -hmm. at is the stuff that's more likely to be bought and sold and more prevalent among our, our audience. So we we don't look as, we don't look specifically at resorts too often. Got it. Got it. All right. Um, I guess in one final 
point on this was, I think, you know, another concern within the space, which then affects um, its outlook, is that overwhelmingly respondents pointed to operating expenses uh, going up as a concern. I think over 80% said they expect operating expenses to rise. And that includes from things like labor costs, renovations, maintenance, uh, and upgrading amenities within their properties, having to pour more money in. And then, you know, obviously if revenues and are not growing as fast, that's going to cut into your bottom line. So I think that's, that's another, um, Concern that's kind of hang, potentially hanging over the sector. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but besides that, you know, what point people back to? You know, the, the full story's got a bunch of charts in it. Um, I kind of just po- point out a couple highlights. So if people go to the website nreionline.com and the NREI research series area, they'll find this along with um, the other reports that we've done this year. Great. All right. What's our next story? So the next um, piece was. Uh, we're looking at what's happening with investment within commercial real estate technology, um, which there's been just a, like, I was surprised. I didn't realize the number was this big, but basically in just the first half of 2019, um, there's been $14 billion invested globally in uh, property tech or prop tech, like kind of like what, what it's called in the, in the sector. Um, so that's, Already more than what the previous full year record for 2000 was 2017, when there was 12.7 billion. So we've already had we had more money invested in prop tech in the first six months of 2019 than in any previous year year ever. I think we still have a lot to figure out um, in where that money is going and how many of these companies that are being invested in are actually delivering technologies that are going to be around in a, in a year or two. But it certainly speaks to that there's a lot of money uh, that's been going around. There's a whole, like, I think several hundred at this point, startups globally that are like trying to develop technology for the space. And they're, they've raised and they're getting, and they've had raised a ton of this money so far this year. So what are some examples of prop tech? I mean, you're talking about smart home stuff, right? Yeah, so the it's it, it's a pretty the the story the 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 story that we did talks specifically about about that as one area of both smart homes or smart apartments um just the investing in things like thermostats or lighting control or security systems, things that can be automated or controlled remotely that can, you know, just lower your occupancy costs. So that's one whole area, but there are whole other ones too that um, I want to, you know, that I want to look at um, in the coming weeks and months and in, in, in more reporting that we're going to do. I mean, and to be fair, you know, it's not like we're like, um, discovering anything here there's there are there's a, a big there are some big commercial real estate tech shows that are just getting bigger every year um there's a there's a whole website that just i think just called Cretech that has a lot of coverage of this on a on a uh, week-to-week basis in terms of like who's been raising the money and what kind of uh, companies that are going on but i want to dive in it dive into it a little more to see um which of these are actually you know, being a, how much are these things being adopted? Uh, which firms are using them? How how are they ac- ac- changing the bottom line? Mm-hmm. Um, so, besides the smart home, like you know, smart internet 
the things kind of technology that just is could be around in your office or in in whatever property type. There's just stuff that's that's even more about um, trying to help people doing the the buying and selling of properties, listing services, valuation services. That's more mm. online and more uh, auction sites. Um, there are a lot of other kind of back office real estate operation solutions being offered. Did more more digitizing of documents because if you think about real estate, you know, like other financial businesses, there's a lot of paperwork involved, a lot of legal contracts. Um, I think there's there's more of a move to try to like figure out how to do more of that stuff digitally, have e-signatures, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, just to 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 help you know both reduce the actual amount of paperwork being done, but also speed the process Stream, for streamline the process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. Um, you know, I think, and then there are things about just monitoring the property, you know, energy efficiency, heating, lighting, cooling, all that kind of stuff. And being able to, if you, being able to monitor it throughout your entire portfolio on one site, being able to control um, the, the environmental conditions in your buildings from one site rather than having it done on a property level and maybe not even having full visibility into what the energy usage might be, lighting control, all that kind of stuff. So I think... There's just a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of money going in. I think there's a lot of potentially duplication of some of those kind of like, you know, there may be multiple companies trying to develop competing products in that same space. Mm-hmm. So I think with like any other um, tech, technological evolution that, that we see in other industries, there's probably going to be a whole lot of shakeout in the next, you know, 6, 12, 18, 24 months. Some of these companies are not going to make it. Uh, there might be mergers. There might be consolidation. You know, there's going to be competition. So I think we're just at this interesting moment where, like, there's clearly an, uh, a market that's been identified, clearly a lot of money pouring in, um, companies developing these solutions, bringing them to market, you know, and then now we have to see what kind of um, adoption they get, what kind of you know, results people get from using them. Whether are they going to keep using these things, and you know, in in the next few years, who are the who emerges as as the stalwarts? Yep, yep. All right. So, I think that kind of is a good point to to segue into the last uh, the last story I wanted to highlight for the week. All right. Um, and that's um, we took a look at we at Austin, uh, Texas, um, which has been in the headlines for and, and for years, obviously as a fast-growing market and dynamic and young and job growth and all these sort of things. Um, and and it was actually and the reason we kind of like did a little bit of a deeper dive into it was that in the recent. Um, Emerging Trends in Real Estate report that Urban Land Institute puts out every year. They do a ranking of all commercial real estate markets. And Austin actually rose to the top of the list this year for the first time. So that was um, pretty noteworthy. And so yeah. the, the piece that we did, you know, it's... You know, it's just kind of a it's just a good overview of the of the market. What what's what's driving the growth? What kind of industries are hiring? Why is it so attractive? Um, and then diving down into some of the fundamentals within each of the property sectors and having some highlights. So that's you know that's it's but I think it's it's just a it's a fascinating story to see how like Austin went from being an emerging you know kind of emerging hot potential market to like now 
being seen as like the the potentially the top market in in the United States for commercial real estate in the coming year. So what is attributed to that? Uh, I mean, one thing is the you know the, the unemployment rate is, is only two point eight percent. So there's just so much hiring. You know, Apple's investing there. Google, all, all the bigger the big tech companies are building some kind of camp you know campuses or ex- expansions there. Um, they have obviously the University of Texas at Austin produces uh, a lot of highly skilled. Um, Graduates in a number of industries who, you know, so so you have this very talent-rich labor force that's co- constantly having new entrants every year. So it's a good market for 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 you know finding talent if, mm-hmm. for for those kind of industries. Um, and so that's just kind of, and then I think in terms of some of the other fundamentals, uh, you know, there, there is development going on, but not too much. So like you look at all the different property sectors, they've got good vacancy rates across the board. So it's just, it's just within the emerging trend report, they, they break, they break it down even by subsector and Austin was number one for industrial real estate, number six for home building, number seven for retail, Number eight for office, number nine for multifamily, and number ten for hotels. So it's a top ten market, basically in every property type. Yeah, wow. So um, you know the piece is it's a kind of we talk to some of the brokers in this in the space, market highlights. You know, so it's just a good. I think it's just a good check in for people if they want to, you know, see what. You know what, what's driving the the success there. All right, and if people want more, they can go and find these online. And I know we've got some other headlines that you're going to just kind of tease out there. Um, so if they want to read these headlines or these next ones, you're going to share with us. Where are they going? Just as a reminder, nreionline.com. All right, and what are those other headlines, David? Yeah, a couple other highlights from the week. One is we just did a check-in on regional mall investment sales. Uh, what's going on? Where are where where is some of the money that's being spent right now? Where is it going? Uh, we have a, a commentary piece from one of our columnists who gets into a little bit of the brass tacks around low-income housing tax credits and how to use those and how to maximize, you know, your your returns um, when you are using those kind of credits. And then we had a, um, a Q&A with Black Creek CEO Raj Donda about um, why it still makes sense to buy industrial assets and talked a bit about what that, what their, that firm has been doing in the space. All right. Sounds like a busy, busy week again. Uh, any last comments for us, David? I guess <laughs> didn't want to spend too much time, but you know we did have our epilogue on WeWork, which is that the IPO is not happening, which is what we talked about a couple weeks yes. ago. <laughs> yes, we did, and we called it so far. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 uh, uh, indefinitely off at this point. <laughs> oh, indefinitely off now. Okay, so they they keep changing these buttons on us. All right, indefinitely off. We'll keep watching. Yeah. I'm sure you'll let us know if something changes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, David, thank you so much for your time today. All right. Uh, have a good weekend. Yeah, you too. And thank you all for listening to the Common Area Podcast with David Bodemer. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when David comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at NREI, this is Eric Johnson inviting you back next week for all the news that matters to you. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Common Area Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of NREI or Informa. The content has been made available for information and educational purposes only.